Welcome to the Total Wireless Store, where total confidence awaits. I am done dealing with data overages. Don't worry, you got this at the Total Wireless Store. Bring your number and get 15 gigs of data for $50 on the nation's best 4G LTE network. And during our 50% more data promotion, you'll actually get 22.5 gigs for the same price. 22.5 for 50? That's a gig deal. Data it is. Discover the Total Wireless Stores and get total confidence. The latest phones, the best network, all at great prices. Ends January 2nd, 2019. Excludes ports from TrackPhone Wireless Inc. brands. Terms at TotalWireless.com. As humanity has been on the path of embracing diversity, one last minority is still unrecognized. Experiencers. These are the contactees, abductees, eyewitnesses, and researchers of the Yotha phenomenon, paradimensional realm, and contact with other intelligences. Could it be that some protocol, some map, has been created by our visitors to integrate humanity into Paradigm Galactic? Could this be the experiencer path to disclosure? Welcome to Aquarium Radio, Friday night with Janet Kirillesson, Karen Christine Patrick, and the Reverend John Pope and guests on the experiencer path. Welcome to the Experiencer Path. This is Karen Christine Patrick on a beautiful Friday night in my part of the country, in New Mexico. We're having thunder boomers in the monsoon season, and uh, it saves us watering our garden, which is awesome uh, and a lot of fun. So anyway, uh, today we're working on bringing our guests on with us, uh, but in the meantime, we have co-host uh, Janet Kirillesson. Could you say hello, Janet? Hello, Janet. No. Oh, there Hello. you go. <laughs> Hello, world. Um, <laughs> can you hear me? Okay, and, I'm. I'm. Yeah, I can hear you. Phone good. With, with yeah. a new headset system, so hopefully so it works well. Good. Yeah, sounds good. And um, we also have uh, visiting us the traveling wandering gypsy who has sold his house and and is. Going around the country visiting and going to come to visit us. Reverend John Pogue, hi, John. How are you doing? Hi, ladies. I'm glad that I was able to chime in tonight. And um, My schedule is in a constant state of flux, but you know, I, Mom is cooking dinner right now, and it should be ready in about 15 minutes. But I'm like, Mom, perfect. I'm glad dinner's running late so I could call into the show. Oh, great. <laughs> so, so glad to have so you. Go. Glad to have you with us. Yeah. Um, tonight we're talking to Nancy Tremaine. I think that we finally got her on the horn here. Let me bring her in and we just do. say hello. <laughs> hello, Nancy. Yes, yes. Are you with us? Yes, I thought we were on Skype. No? No, we we haven't been able to do Skype very well on, on this platform, so thank you so much for calling in. And uh, we're oh, going to go ahead uh, and uh, how this show goes is, Kind of a panel discussion interview. Um, going to introduce you a bit, let you talk about yourself and your experiences and who you are. It's very experiencer oriented, so we love all the juicy details. 
And then uh, we'll take turns uh, with our co-host. We'll start with, we'll let John have the first crack since he's about ready to eat Mama's home cooking. And uh, anyway, Nancy, I want you to tell us uh, about yourself and your experiences. And I know you're an author as well, so go ahead. I, I sent you a short bio. Um, here, I I can pull it up. Yes. Okay. I was having such, such trouble trying to get you on Skype that I threw myself into a panic attack. <laughs> oh, just breathe. Yeah, I know. That's I how I feel about it sometimes. I didn't know that. Oh, my, a, a, my a, partner, a, Brett, despises Skype. It's like it's an ordeal when he has to go on Skype. So, no, thank you so much. And uh, let me read the little intro I have, and then we can grab the bio and get, catch your breath. So uh, what we have is we're going to talk about synchronicities and how it began for us. People's perception of their experience is so important, perception. Uh, how some people still consider themselves abductees. Um, how some are able to move to acceptance of being an experiencer. It's not always an easy path. Um, experiencers who become participants in whatever it is they get taken to do. Um, and also, uh, we're gonna. Uh, this is an interesting topic because it came up uh, when I went to the Cosmic Highway Conference and we had Misha Johnston about the reptilians. You know, they maybe some of them get a bad rap. And we'll discuss your book and, and let you tell us more about that. Janet, were you able to grab that bio? I just got it to work. One second here. I'm clicking on it having to your computer expand issues. so I can see my computer is on its last leg. Poor computer, I love you. Stay with us. Yeah, uh, give it love and good energy so it holds together yeah. long enough to get whatever you got to do next. Now, technology, yeah. I don't uh, is one of yeah, those things that we so necessary. Oh man, okay. I don't well, have money this month. Yeah. we're sending energy and of uh, prosperity and abundance in a computer landing in your life. We just yeah, happened to yeah, be yeah, this yeah. last year, so that's great. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm going to read uh, the bio that Nancy sent me, and Nancy is a lifetime experiencer, a participant in the hybrid project, and a messenger. She is an alien by nature, human by choice, and here on a mission she believes she signed up for. She is here to share the downloads and loving messages she, she receives from Mr., a reptilian that, that has been with her in many lifetimes, and the collective mind. Her main mission is to assist humanity in this spiritual evolution by urging them to come forward and lose the fear by stepping out of their safe zone and complete the contracts they signed up for. She has spent the past six years reaching out to be heard despite the many people that tried to ignore her, hoping she would go away, and despite the many that worked so hard to silence her. These are the very people that contributed to her becoming the warrior she is today. On this show, we discuss and we, we, listed, we listed the things we're going to be touching upon, but I know we're going to go in many directions here. I just wanted to say that uh, Nancy is... There's many variations of the types of contacting experiencers. And she is one that realizes that she is a participant. So we have people that are waking up and they go, you know, I'm not a victim. I'm not being abducted. I am participating. I'm a volunteer. I'm here on a mission. I'm an ambassador. I have uh, a message for humanity. I have a job I'm doing to create this, uh, co-create this loving 
uh, consciousness and oneness and the next level of evolution for humanity and all systems. So, anyway, we'll let her tell her story, but I just wanted to add my two cents there. But go ahead. You're the main facilitator today. Karen, take it away. Okay, yes, Nancy. I think I'm excited. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I'm going to start. Well, in the beginning of this journey, six years ago, it it was September of 2011 when I began this journey, um, I was given this message. Your destiny is to learn what you are and to express it perfectly. And at the time, other message, it was just words that I was unable to put meaning to. Um, The words that they give me are usually very few, but I've come to learn that by dissecting them, I can find that really it's the true meaning. The word destiny means my hidden power or my predetermined uh, course of events. During one of my first regressions, I spoke these words. When I use the word they, I am reminded that this includes me. They love me. They are me. So this explains this explains what I am. I, I am alien um, by nature. And as, as far as who I am, I am human. I, I am human by choice. And I have said this over and over again, that I volunteered for this mission. I chose to be here in this vessel. So this explains who I am. And the why is I am here on a mission to assist humanity in this spiritual evolution. And the last part of their message was that I was to express it perfectly. And so I hope I just did. Um, one of the chapters in my, in my book is, is titled Doubt. Um, because no matter what I, what I experienced, there's all, there was always this doubt. And there was no way that doubt, um, the doubts about the reptilians were, were creeping into me because I was, negativity was constantly being hurled at me. And um, I had been defending the reptilians so long that it seemed futile. And um, my, my doubts were put to the test. So I had to at least entertain the information and question if any of it could be true. And I would ask myself, well, if they're so evil, why are their messages so pure and beautiful? And why did they allow me to have my memories back? And then I would get, because you're brainwashed. And I say, if, if being brainwashed means uh, feeling unconditional love and a life with purpose, then this is what I choose. And then I found this article by Gwen Farrell. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but this is what she had to say, and I love this. This theory reduce, reduces all abduction experiences into two types. Number one, the roller coaster ride you cannot wait to get back on. And number two, the roller coaster ride that makes you sick. The individuals in the first group feel unconditional love, blessed, guided. And if given the choice, they would choose not to return to this earth. Um, And that's me. And I consider myself one of the lucky ones. And the second group uses the words torture, rape, helplessness. And these are the people that usually end up in a therapist's office trying to find ways to forget. It's, so the quest, what it is, is, is a positive or negative assessment of an ET experience is determined not by the actions of the ET, but by the perception of the experiencer. It is about us, not them. Perception is the way that we perceive our reality. That was another one of Mr. 
uh, first messages. And had I listened to people's negativity, my mission would have been lost. And um, I realize now the meaning of another one of their messages from early on. Enjoy the ride. (laughs) I like that one. No, man, I really heard that. That was just... Resin, I, I'll comment later. I want to give John a chance to jump jump in here first because he can't stay with us too long. And uh, go ahead, John, and uh, you can have the first round question comment. Um, hey, Nancy. Uh, I don't know if you remember me, but I met you at Experiencers Speak 3 in Portland, Maine. Um, of I course, you know, Audrey Hewins conferences. And uh, uh, we hung out a little bit and I don't know if you remember me, but uh, I definitely remember you. Yeah, we did have some nice conversations. And you know what's funny is I was trying to get you to come on this show that you're on right now, but at that time in 2014, you weren't ready, and I understood completely. You know, if somebody's not ready or just wants to be off the grid for a while, I get it and respect it completely. Um, uh, mom, mom is waving me in, telling me that this ham hock dinner is ready. So I'm already, you know, gluing <laughs> on my shirt. But uh, I wanted to uh, a, a quick, a quick question, or just make sure. a comment. Um, I did an interview with Kevin Estrella, and we've had him on Aquarian Radio before. Also, Pyramids on Mars, great interview. He, he's a fun guy to talk to. But he spoke yes, he very highly of you. And he's, your friendship with him. So I, I do have to go, ladies. But on on that note, uh, tell us about your friendship with Kevin Estrella and maybe how you met him. Hey, ladies, well, have a, have a great night. I got I have to Thank go, but I, wanted, I, I thought that'd be a good question. All right, ladies, take care. Uh, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll follow up with you soon, ladies. All right, bye. Okay, enjoy your dinner. Uh, okay, thanks. How I bye. met Kevin? Well, I received a phone call from Grant Cameron. And he asked me if I would do an interview with Kevin Estrella. And I said, no, I wasn't ready. And he said, would you at least talk to him? So uh, Kevin and I got on Skype, and we ended up on Skype for, I don't know, I want to say two, three hours. It was like we'd known each other forever. And, of course, I said I would do an interview with him. And um, there is some kind of an energy uh, between Kevin and I. Um, things happen. There's just an energy, uh, very positive, and I feel like I've known him forever. Um, you know, he's young enough to be my son, so <laughs> it's not in that way. Yes, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I have a deep respect for him, and uh, we really hit it off. We were we never left each other's side when we were in Canada at the uh, alien. Uh, convention we were together the entire time oh that's sweet <laughs> and then we did that interview with you about what happened with the um the aliens that we met while we were there <laughs> yes you did it was wonderful <laughs> I, we enjoyed that tremendously yeah. and that's what inspired me to get you on by yourself to flesh out your story even more um i was i just wanted to comment before i forget I've been signing my books lately uh, by mm-hmm. saying, enjoy the ride. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, that was one of the messages. Over and over, they, they tell me, enjoy the ride, enjoy the ride. Yeah. <laughs> and and I wanted to talk, uh, 
uh, you know, this is one of the things I want to touch on in this show, and, and we can go into it now or, or in a little while, but the reptilians have really gotten a bad rap. And you and I have both had some interactions with the reptilians, but I think it'd be great if you tell us more about your interactions with the reptilians and your thoughts and what they said and, you know, whatever you want to say about it. And then I'll, I'll share a little bit about mine. But okay. I've had some good ones, and I'd like you to share yours, good or bad, or I mean, whatever they are, just uh, take it away. <laughs> Thank oh, you. Okay. Well, first of all, I have never encountered any evil reptilians or any evil non-human beings. Um, somehow, people have put the uh, word reptilians and um, <laughs> the pit bulls of aliens. And uh, if you fear the reptilians, you fear yourself because they are us. We are one. And I believe that they are more than our ancestors. They are at least a part of our creation. They are like parents watching us killing each other, hoping for a different outcome, trying not to interfere, but nothing changes. But they hoped that we would have learned to rule by love, not war. It's not going to happen. And people who question this, just look around you. The greed, the power, the hungry sociopaths that are ruling us right now. Well, look at our president. <laughs> We're talking about a sociopath. We're talking about some, someone who has no conscience. We're being poisoned by the air we breathe, the water we drink, the food we eat, the vaccines, prescription drugs. Um. You know, the reptilians, Mr. and the collective mind, all I deal with all of them, they all share the same messages of love, and they are here to save us from ourselves. And they will not allow us to continue on this destructive course of death, greed, and power. This is not our planet. This planet belongs to every living creature. And this is exactly, Mr. has given me this message, closed minds closed doors. And this is exactly why David Chase is working on a new cover right now. And um, you know, the book is just just ready to ready to go. Um David had drawn a beautiful um picture of Mr. But Mr put an image in my head and this is what, what they do and, and he does uh since two thousand and eleven and they will not remove that image until it is put to paper. Um, Mr. wanted a a cover that was less frightening and still depicting the the bond and the love that we share. So the cover of the book is going to be beautiful. It's um, Oh, I can't wait to see it. Oh, I'm so excited. He sent me um, a preliminary of it. And it's Uh it's exactly what Mr. had put in my my head. Um, (laughs) Just our hands, just our hands holding each other. And I'm wearing an unk ring on my wedding finger. Um, Aww. And it's, it is beautiful. And everyone, everyone should feel, should be so fortunate to feel and experience the love that I've been shown by the reptilians. Because I, I can assure you there is nothing stronger than the emotion of you loving you. Um, you know, there's a positive oh. negative uh so, Mister Mister sounds almost like a beloved, like you were 
mates or partners in a previous life. Yeah. Oh, we have always been together is 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 how I understand it. And um I was asked what was going to happen after I died. It was one of the questions that was put to me by the last interview. And mm-hmm. um I said when my brain and my body die, I said my consciousness will live on and I don't know what form it or it will choose. But I know that I'll be with Mister. Mm-hmm. Well, um, yeah, one of the things that that we're discovering with experiencers and people, you know, exploring other things like near death, and is that we simultaneously exist in many, many uh, avatars and dimensions and levels, uh, vibratory levels. So perhaps what you're getting is that. Uh, kind of a amalgamation of what you actually have with him, because time is an illusion of this 3D reality, not really what's going on in the continuum. So you and, and Mister have this ongoing, eternal love for each other, and sometimes yeah, you're in the yeah. same form, and sometimes you're in different forms, but mm-hmm. you love each other no matter what. Absolutely, uh, it, it's a love that I I can't get here on. On uh, Earth, um, you know, and it's one of his funny messages, and he does have a sense of humor. He said, um, "You need more love than a human can provide. That is why, with man, you are never satisfied." So <laughs> mm. true. I've never been able to have a relationship with a man for over three years. Uh, my friendships have lasted forever. You know, I have forever friendships, but as far as a relationship with a man. Never one over three years mm-hmm. seems to be the magic Um Yeah. Well, that's okay. If the the length of a relationship does not uh, define the the success or failure of a relationship, some people yeah. are together just for a certain time. You have messages and lessons for each other, and then it's. You're you're complete with each other. It's just time to move on. I'm on my third marriage, and so is my husband. So and that's not even my third relationship. <laughs> I have <Yeah>. four. <laughs> yeah. But yours so has lasted for you. Well, I've lived a long life, so I've had, um, well, with the three relationships, uh, the, the first two were about 12 years each. The third one's 20. And I've had wow. some other shorter ones in there. I've had some at the same time because I explored polyamory for a while. I, I think my soul is not really human uh, like yours. It's a it's alien extraterrestrial. So relationship styles and structures in different uh, alien planets and are uh, you know with extraterrestrials are different. So it's not necessarily monogamous. So I've had some simultaneous with people that had no jealousy or, or qualms about. You know, me having more than one relationship at a time. Um, so I've explored it in many ways. Because <laughs> I always felt like a stranger in a strange land. Mm-hmm. You were going to talk about your relationship with George, who is your reptilian, correct? <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't want to steal your thunder because you're our special guest, but I will talk no, about I've, George. About yeah. Yes, so George George and I met when I was uh, about four years old, maybe even younger, but um, I had conscious memories of 
of meeting George, and I, I felt afraid of him. I, it was such a, I was split because I was a little human girl, and, uh, you know, and, I, and, and back in the 50s, I was uh, starting to watch, you know, the horror movies about aliens, you know, the blob and all that stuff, right? And um, so I wasn't supposed to be uh, relating to a, a being that looks like this reptilian. So I was afraid of him. And we started to engage telepathically, and I run, run away from him and into the house and, and be terrified. You know, my heart was beating a mile a minute. But I kept running into him. So he, George never gave up. I guess they get frustrated <laughs> when, you know, they know who you are and they, as, a, as a soul in a, in a human avatar, and you're responding that way. And I, I um, Sherry White says the same thing. It's like, Sherry, you... Uh, Sherry Wild, Sherry, Sherry, you go through this every single time. You have this uh, fight or flight gut care reaction, and then you go, oh, that's my family. Oh, you know. So uh, finally I integrated that experience when I met my husband, and we started doing um, regression therapy, hypnosis. And I Mm -hmm. uncovered that George was not really trying to hurt me in any way, his telepathic communication was different than those of the Greys or the um, Anunnaki Whites or um, the Matches. I, I've had ongoing relationships with many different species because, like you, I'm an ambassador. I go to the, the um, intergalactic meetings, which uh, some are smaller, you know, with just groups of uh, you know, under 100, and some are huge, like a big conference with 100,000 different species. So uh, now I was uh, typing up a story about George, and when I was typing, he came to me. And we did a little forgiveness ceremony with each other. I know it sounds crazy, but, um, you know, our, our extraterrestrial friends are not limited to, you know, time and space and to, you know, picking us up on a ship or coming to us at night and or taking us astrally. There's no limit to it once you develop um, the avenues to communicating with them. It's like you have open the hailing, uh, hailing frequencies, you know, like in Star Trek, and you don't need the little device. It's built within the human body. We have the ability to be telepathic and communicate. And I know that um, the new book, Selected by extraterrestrials with William Tompkins, he talks about that. He had ongoing telepathic communication with um, he called he called them my secretaries, but they were actually uh, Pleiadians or you know some other species like that. So anyway, so George and I love each other, always have loved each other, and now I'm very comfortable communicating with him. Okay, well, see, I don't see Mr. in physical form anymore. We are beyond that. Um, I have a drawing that I did of him that he had me draw, and I didn't know what I was drawing. And when I finished the picture, I'm looking at it now, alligator feet, the long, heavy tail resting on clawed fingers, scales, and a long blue cloak. And um, it was days later, she said, write these words below the picture. See me as I am. So that is how he is, but that isn't how I see him. Last time I was with him, he was in a um, 
a form, a, a featureless form, uh, and we we communicate telepathically, and I can feel his energy, and I know the difference between Mister's messages and the collective mind's messages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I haven't seen uh, George in in like the flesh, so to speak, for you know probably thirty years. Mm-hmm. He came to me in his original form, you know, many many years ago. I was still a teenager when I last saw him in 3D, but I did definitely see him in 3D, and my sister saw him as well. So I I guess he felt the need to show me himself, Um, Mm -hmm. and I hope he feels comfortable to show me himself again now that I've become much more relaxed um, dealing with his form. So I'm leaving that door open, although like yours, like Mr., uh, we've gone beyond that need because we have this uh, communications that's ongoing, and and so it's it's like we yeah we have evolved past that. But you know, there's a part of me, the little human part, that would like to say, hey, just come and show me yourself. Um, I got really comfortable with the, some grays. There's uh, there's a gray I have a relationship with, but I don't have I don't have I haven't put a name to. It's a feels male, male, uh, and he appeared in my bedroom like this past year and I was fully awake. So I'm I know I'm comfortable with the gray form. Now I would just yeah. like to see, you know, the reptilian form. But you know, let me start mm-hmm. to talk about that. It says you can get comfortable with seeing them but you have to yeah. you know, strike that agreement up with yourself and then you through time train your fight or flight gut reflexes to settle down or not go into instant reaction whenever you see them. So, Yeah, I had a, a gray wake me up. Um, in uh, October of 2013, and uh, I was sleeping, and he was so close to me I could actually feel his face against my face, and it felt like peach skin. And mm. it was a small gray, and he had one of his legs was actually on my bed, and he was bending down into my ear, and he said, La vie. And I I wasn't afraid. I never felt any fear. Um, and I said, leave me alone. I'm tired. I'm the crabbiest person <laughs> in the world. If you try to wake me up. But I felt no fear. So he said louder, La vie. And I said, I'll remember it, and I'll look it up tomorrow, because I knew what he wanted me to do. He wanted me to get out of bed, go to the computer, and Google the word Levy. So the mm-hmm. third time, he really screamed it in my ear. Levy. Okay, damn it. <laughs> I got out of the living room. I got in the computer, and I said, how do you spell it? And um, well, I didn't tell you this part. I was actually felt humor. Because the word Levite sounded French, and I thought, I've got a French-speaking gray alien in my bedroom. (laughs) So I really thought about humor in that. Um, So I came out, and I pulled it up, and uh, it it isn't a real flattering uh, (laughs) definition. And it isn't even actually a word. It's only in the, um, what's the dictionary? It's not the regular dictionary. It's the urban Urban Dictionary, and um, Levite is a, a female with curly hair, um, intelligent and stubborn, loud and crazy, um, airheaded and perverse, lively and fun, 
mind-changing, competitive, determined, dependent, strong, and unwilling to follow rules. And I was mad. I thought, you woke me up to tell me what a piece of crap I am? You know. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> but I realized what it, what it was. Is I went back to bed, and I woke up at 10 o'clock in the morning, and I came right to the computer, and what was there? was an interview that I had done, the very first interview I ever did, and it was in Novi, Michigan, where my ex- uh, experience took place in 1961, and it had hit the computer. And he was telling me that if you want to be heard, you've got to act like a man. Because this is a man's uh, field, the ufology and all of this. This is not a woman's field. You have to be a very strong and competitive woman and loud. And uh, so that's what I've done. You know, the last six years, I have literally been screaming to be heard. And people ignoring me, hoping I would go away. And I found this, uh, the ugly side of this. Um, this, this there's a competition in this. And I, I was so naive. I, I, I had no idea that people actually saw this. This is a competition of who's got the scary story. Well, if they're looking for fear, they're not going to find it in my story because I'm not selling fear. But there is a lot of, everybody wants to be at the top. Nobody wants to be outdone. Not, I'm not talking about everybody, but there, I've found so much of this. And so many people try to silence me. And that, that was really difficult. Um, but because of them, I am who I am now. You know, the warrior I am. I, I think... I thank God that they treated me the way they did, the men mm-hmm. <laughs> and the women. And, um, I'll never mention names. You know who they are. And probably yeah, we know who they are. <laughs> well, I think that's disgusting, the, the competitive nature. There's so few of us in the field, and we're, we're on the same, you know, side of, of, you know, disclosure, of revealing the truth. And... That's why this whole monetary system catapults us into fear, lack consciousness, competitiveness, and control, manipulation, and slavery. Ultimately, when we're in a monetary system, we're enslaved in some way, and we're Mm -hmm. kept separate from each other. We're not feeling our oneness. So that's what uh, Mr. was saying. He said, you're never going to find that kind of love uh, unless you, you know, perhaps love him, (laughs) because... That type of, of surrender is not does not seem to be possible in uh, human relationships. Although I have uh, studied uh, tantra extensively, and that's where you learn to go past your skin encapsulated separation self sense into that uh, transcendence one oneness, uh, kind of like the mm-hmm. spark mind meld, spark mind meld, you know, merging with each other, which is necessary to feel your your true oneness and uh, transcend into universal consciousness. So that's been my my uh, path, <laughs> you know, what well, I've discovered. Uh, Karen, well, we should all your be, turn. All be, yeah. Go ahead. I, oh, I just hey. Want to say we should all be working together, and we should be um, happy to have found each other and listening to each other and sharing, um, you know, Sharing with each other, and I've talked to people, and they're in relationships, or they're married, and, and their husbands don't know, or their wives don't know, and they tell me they're in a healthy relationship. No, no, no. 
You do not say you're in a healthy relationship. You are keeping a secret from your husband or wife or family members. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, I I have gone through so much therapy and awareness of of the secrets that one holds in life in this marriage, and I tell him everything. <laughs> it's like too much information, but he knows. He knows everything about me. I I have, and that's it. You you need to be really known by somebody or someone, so he knows me, and that's part of the the uh, healing process for each. Uh, person in humanity, every every individual in the cosmos, to be known. And you can't be known if you're living a facade. You can't be known if you're not living in this authentic life. So that was my commitment to myself. And I, I said, uh, well, honey, you're my person. So you're my witness of who I really am. So I guess Mr. is your witness of who you really are. Absolutely, yes, yeah. And I do know that whatever we are, we are always who we are, meaning whatever vessel or bondage we have, our consciousness remains ours. And um, it's the essence of, of, of us that lives on when the bear breaks mm-hmm. about die. And one of the, I just sent a message, and I haven't really, sh- I, I haven't shared it on air for the first time from Mr. So first, this was a message that he gave me back in 2012, and people heard this one. But he gave me new words. All memories are passed and taken with each new life. When the load becomes too heavy, we travel or become light knowledge. Now, a lot of people were asking me, what do you mean by light knowledge energy? Well, Mr. gave me um, three three, um, words that describe light knowledge energy. It's enlightened, conscious life. So we travel as enlightened, conscious life between um, after the brain and the body die. And that's how I see Mr. So that's the first time that that that's been said on on air because I just got that um, message from him a week ago to describe more clearly what light knowledge energy means. So that's enlightened conscious life after the brain and body. Enlightened conscious life after the body and the brain. Well, that's interesting. I've had eight near-death experiences, so I've been out in that form. So... I, I know okay. personally that wherever you go, there you are. <laughs> that you know, it doesn't matter if you're you're in body or out of body. You you still have awareness and knowledge that you are that you exist. And mm-hmm. so he's for, and that that makes sense. I my last contact with this gray that carried me on Johnson H Hall. He said he was trying to explain where he was, and he says, "Well, I'm in a realm that you would call." dead, but I still am. So he was trying to explain that after the brain and body dies, he was in enlightened, conscious life. So that's what he was, that's a better, exactly. Mr. had a better way of explaining it than yeah. um, in fact, my great friend. ECL, um, I just call it ECL. Uh, um, yeah. 
we were also, I think it's really important that we, we hit on um, uh, perception, the way we define our reality. And, and people that consider themselves, they're only considered abductions until we accept our reality as positive. And it is then that we can become um, participants or experiencers. Some people never become participants like us. Um, but at least to accept the goal from an abductee, which is such a helpless word, to an experiencer. And once, you know, you conquer the concept that we are all part of one energy, then you no longer fear the unknown or death. So my mission is so much more than simply assisting humanity to lose fear. It's about how we uh, choose to accept and learn and share our experiences. So we all need to be validated. But more important, we need to listen. Um, this is an opportunity for us to come together as a collective force to fight against mm-hmm. the negative powers that work against us, the silence that the people that try to silence and debunk us or discredit, discredit us, our strongest defense, you know, love and unity. Yeah. And is, and, yeah. yeah, so the, the perception, in, in psychology we, we have... Um, <laughs> which is permission and information. It's a long. It's like a formula for um, how you integrate these things, like these perceptions. So, first of all, you have permission to look at it differently. Permission mm-hmm. to come past the the um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, victim mentality. I'm being abducted. If as long as you're in victim, then you're always in the struggle. You're never going to have Anything but the struggle. You're just going to be the victim. Exactly. So, yes. And yes. then the information. Um, what you're, what we're, we're conveying, relating to people right now is information. There's other people that have these experiences of where it's balanced. We're equal. We're in harmony with these other beings. We're, we have a mission. It's part of our goals. It's part of our own decision that we made when we came here this planet <laughs> to fulfill exactly. our mission. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, I, I wanted to address, I was going to save that for closing, but I think it, it's appropriate that I say this now. I wanted to address the, all the abductees, experiences, and, and participants that are suffering in silence because I know your pain. I lived it for 50 years. You know, the secrets you keep in keep inside because you, you don't want to get bullied or mocked, ridiculed, called crazy and delusional. I've experienced them all, and I still am. And um, this is how we heal. It's like a witch hunt. You know, why do you think that they have comedy shows like People of Earth and cartoons depicting aliens in such absurd manners? It is to keep us ashamed, silent, and to keep this subject a joke. So I don't find humor... Uh, in something that has turned my life upside down. And I mm-hmm. have a handful of pictures that I see occasionally, and their treatment of me has changed. They are not comfortable around me, and the subject is never addressed. I'm that crazy wow. Aunt Nancy. I'm that crazy grandma. I'm that crazy sister. You know, it hurts. It hurts like hell. But it doesn't mm-hmm. hurt like any the 50 years of silence. 
Right. So you can never be known, never be yourself. And when you when you reveal yourself, you're ridiculed, and that is very hurtful. And it's just another form of prejudice, bias, and and uh, it needs to end. And so that's why free and other organizations are creating this awareness universally yeah. across the planet that there are mm-hmm. there are millions of people that are experiencers, millions upon millions. There are. And Mr. has told me that I would never have been able to have written this book had my family been involved in my life because mm-hmm. they would have made my life so miserable with the jokes and the, you know, I needed them, and I still need them out of my life. I'm already working on book two, and uh, I'm doing just fine without them. Um, <laughs> I'm surviving. You know, the pain was horrible. I went to a therapist about a year ago because I, I thought I was going to die of a broken heart. And um, she said, uh, before I met her, I, I, I found her through free. She was a volunteer and happens to be an hour drive from here, from where I live. And now we're friends. But she started off the first two visits as, as a therapist, and now we're just friends. But she said, send me your manuscript. And... Um, she read my manuscript, and we made an appointment for me to go in. And when I walked through the door, she said, well, I, I read your book, and I listened to one of your interviews, and I believe you. And I collapsed in her arms. I was just a And she said, I don't want to um, regress you because you don't need it. You need, um, you need to realize, number one, how intelligent you are because you never knew that. And number two... You need to find joy in a world that you feel you don't fit in. And uh, <laughs> we're just good friends now. She's been wonderful. We email each other. and Well, that's wonderful. Um, and that's, that's I'd like to ask a, sure. a question. Yeah, Nancy, I, what is the name of your book and when is it coming out so people know? Because I think they... I'm very curious about it. I'd love to know about it. Well, the name of the book is Symbiosis, and it's A Love Beyond Space and Time. And uh, I received the words for this book through the song The Prayer. Uh, Every day I listen to that song, The Prayer, by Celine Dion. (laughs) Yes, over and over again. And I truly believe that within the melody and the lyrics of the song, that I found the words for the book. It wow, is a just, story. Go ahead. Yeah, Mister gave me the name, the title of the book as I was driving. And he said, "Symbiosis." <laughs> like, wow. Well, you couldn't okay. wait to say you pulled over, over somewhere. Oh, no, I get that. Oh. <laughs> That's great. No, I have a Mister. I have a Mister too, but he's Mister Green, and he's uh, my, my own experiences with reptilian, amphibian, draconian. It's all been positive, pretty much. Uh, Mr. Green is a uh, sort of more of like an amphibious hominid um, who lives on a lunar base on the far side of the moon. And I work on lunar anomalies and, and bringing people's awareness that the moon has been inhabited in the past and presently and is even being used by our NASA scientists to convey messages via uh, di- um, parabolic dishes that have been found in NASA photos that they didn't manage to smudge up, you know. And um, and so, you know, yeah, it's like my one, I guess you'd say, abduction experience. 
I just considered it a you know vacation break from Earth actually. Um, was uh, first I was first contacted by a female uh, reptilian being named Gilles, and she had this super high pitched voice, and she was basically like my cruise director. She was sort of explaining to me what was going to happen, and and uh, mostly what she told me how I need to really be careful about fear because I was in a situation where the more fearful I was, the more uh, I would have applied to me what our dear friend John, who was just on here, calls alien anesthesia, and, and I did, and I didn't remember a lot of things until later, and then I remembered why I forgot so much. It was right at the end. I had a pleasant experience. It's kind of murky still, but at the end, I had a fit. I did not want them to return me to Earth. I had an absolute what? two-year-old throw myself on the ground, cry, beat on the floor, I was uh, in a very bad life situation, and that's why they kind of had to jaunt me out. And uh, it was interesting because my ex-husband at the time uh, is a contact, and I saw reptilians at the foot of our bed, but he saw a gray at the foot of our bed the same night. So there's something definitely happened. Um, But, yeah, it's like uh, I think that I have an insectoid contact. Uh, I have a number of contacts with beings that were just definitely not you know, bipedal humanoid types. And the thing is, is my feeling was is that they're kind of like when they say, what do they want or they is scary. The word they is kind of useless because you're first of all talking about hundreds of thousands of species, and then, then they're like us. Yeah. I mean, are all humans good or bad? Well, it just sort of depends on if you run into Hitler or Mother Teresa, you know, how the response. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, you know, uh, we're a mixed bag, and I think uh, and some of them are service to self, and some of them are service to others, just like humans. Um, and yeah. it gets really complicated when you get out there, but... Uh, you know, you what it, sort of what I'm hearing is that you got the energy signature of this being with it. It's like uh, making friends with somebody on Facebook. You know, you get a sense of who they are, and then later maybe you get a chance to meet them in real life. And it's amazing how much translates through telepathy um, of who they are. Just like uh, I call it the internet, I N E R N E T, inner in in within. Um, yeah. You have the, you develop a relationship, and and uh, I'm glad you're speaking about that because it's one of the harder things uh-huh. to explain to non-experiencers is that these are not just uh, oh I had this visitation. These are beings that I have ongoing working relationship, learning about them and us and what's going on, as well as a friendship. I've had times when that was my only friendships with these other worldly beings because my, the people around me were being poopy heads and, you know, I didn't have a pleasant experience with my fellow humans for a while. You know, now I'm in a much better situation, but I'm really glad you wrote this book. It sounds like a doozy. Aww. And I'm glad that your um, experiences have been positive. That's, that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, oh yeah, I wouldn't trade really it for anything, and, and it came to me about 2012 too. I went, I I probably uh-huh. marked that I had my first contact at five, and then I did I had I was in a mind control program and had an implant, um, probably government issue or and or negative it, um, negative being issued. It's like a com, it was a cooperative program, and it uh, was discontinued when I was 45, so I went 40 years of just being really unsure of who I am, 
getting all these messages. Mm-hmm. Where are they coming from? And really mm-hmm. traveling alone. So I, I like what you said. It's better to not have a bunch of uh, pests. Well, I consider I have uh, family and I have relatives, and there is a difference. <laughs> so it's like my relatives, you know, I'm kind of glad they're out of the picture because I don't need the flack. I don't need uh, I get a. I was a caregiver for quite a few family members, so I get a lot, can you do this, can you do that, which I didn't mind helping my grandma and my, my daughter who was disabled. I didn't mind all that, but I had a mission, and my mission was more than just caring for other people which is a positive thing, I think. It's also very negative because it's draining. Um, But now I'm doing something else, and uh, I had that feeling since I was five. And finally I was able to make that transition to kind of get my spirit and mind ready to make these connections. And And now I have all, like I said, all these contacts. I have sort of primary ones I work with, and others I've just, they've just told me information. And you said kind of something about that is I was in computer science and I studied, I'd studied systems theory. And you, a, a system, like we have a thought form system that controls our, you know, reality, human reality. Um, a system is going to operate the way it does just like a machine unless new information comes in to change it, especially in biological systems, you know. And this is what the opportunity is from our otherworldlier, I call my invisible friends, is that they're giving us new information. And as much as we can absorb it and integrate it and share it, we really are the best hope to make changes. And I also want to say I really resonate with what you're saying about ufology being very um, uh, patriarchal. Um, and I think that's a shame. I think that's a shame for another factor is that you said something about being part of the hybrid program as well as I, I think that it's kind of on purpose to be patriarchal because uh, probably a lot of people are very uncomfortable and think it's a can of worms to talk about the hybrid program. And yet I think um, this is a very primary experience of a lot of women who are experiencers. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if you wanted to talk about that a bit. Well, I guess women upset when I when I say this, but I every ship every time I've been aboard, men run the show and women are the caregivers. And we're talking about beings that are thousands of years advanced beyond us and we're right back where and uh you know, I'm old so I, I, I believe that you know, <laughs> I actually like male shoulders pigs, but <laughs> women are the caregivers and the men run the show. And um you know, that's how I was raised. And uh, when I was on board with my son, Drex, I saw my daughter, Shailene, for the first time. And uh, he's a caregiver to, to my son, Drex. And that was very comforting to me to see that and to know that. Um, and even last I don't, time... I don't think uh, it's... I don't think it's bad to be a caregiver. I think it's a very high calling. My biggest gripe with our society is how we don't support uh, that activity um, in terms of, like, you know, I've lost career paths. You know, my career was uh, always interrupted by somebody got sick. I had to take care of them. I lost a business over at one time. Um, and and so I've suffered financially for it, and when yet that is some, it's so important, caring for children, caring for our families, 
caring for older people and the and the disabled that's a that's a very high spiritual calling and yet it seems to not be recognized uh, that's interesting to me that they they have that you know in these more advanced cultures because it is a it is a positive thing there's nothing negative about it and what I find really interesting is how many women that I have met that are experiencers are, are caregivers. I was a caregiver. I took care of a woman with multiple sclerosis. You know, I did volunteer work for hospice. So, and so many of my my um, experiencer female friends are caregivers. So there's something to that. Oh, yeah, I had one contact with an insecticide being who is a science officer on a mothership, and uh, his contact of me, you know, you, I, I was kind of like, it indicated to me that it had to be something in yourself um, that resonates kind of with that other being that kind of helps form the connection for telepathy. And in this case, um, this being is um, uh, on their planet, uh, they have a really difficult time looking at planet Earth and humanity right now when we have so many children being abused and trafficked and uh, uh, abandoned and all that because that's not something they would ever do. They're very protective of their young. And probably the most embarrassing question I've ever been asked as a human being is how do you, how do you, does that happen? How's that possible, you know? I was a very nurturing parent. I made my mistakes, but I was a very nurturing parent. And uh, uh, I, that always bothered me, too. So it was like we had a resonant connection. And, and I said, I don't know. I think, you know, I just said I think there's something about Earth right now that is experiencing these things, maybe to, you know, decide that that's negative and we don't want to do it anymore in the future. I, but it was really, I was like, you know, kind of embarrassed because, even if we don't make the choice to look at what is going on in the world with homelessness and uh, all that negative stuff that's happening to people, that doesn't mean the other beings can't see it. <laughs> so it was really embarrassing, you know? Well, this is a perfect time for me to bring up uh, what I wanted to talk about, um, empathy. Um, yeah. There was a study done in the University of Michigan, I live in Michigan, uh, by Sarah Conrath. And uh, it was a study uh, over 30 years. It involved 72 different studies of 14,000 students. And she found that students of today have 40%. I'm going to repeat this because it's it's alarming. 40% lower in empathy than the counterparts of 20 and 30 years ago. So we are creating a society of antisocial, social, sociopaths is what we have. Wow. And that's frightening. This is frightening to me, and that's why they're here now. We can't continue like this. 40% less empathy? You know, empathy is, is, is love. Empathy is what makes us human. Um, without empathy, there will be war. <laughs> um, right. You know, again, I have to go through. That, that's, uh, that is that's right on. I've, I've had some conversations with millennials, and it's like, what's going on? And so how do you think we got there? Was this part of the conditioning? And uh, it seems like our 
you know, our media, our, our songs, our movies, our television, um, they numb us down to violence. They, they, yes, yes. You just it's, see it the all the time. For we're, we're numb to watching children starving doesn't mean anything to us. You know, um, kids have their heads buried in their cell phones. They don't feel. I mean, I can see it in, in <laughs> the kids around me. They don't have it. They're not like we were growing up, you know. I, I still cry at old lassies. Um, <laughs> yeah, you see, they're actually being weaned out of us, and, and that that is why they are here. They're doing much-needed upgrading. Um, they're geneticists, and that's why yeah. they're here, uh, studying these emotions of uh, of empathy, fear, and removing uh, uh, rage. You know, this is very needed. Um, they are here to save us from ourselves. Yeah. Wow. Well, they, I I can't help but think that that wasn't, you know, done intentionally. Because part of this whole grand experiment is feeling our connection and, one, and loving oneness within our skin and capsulated forms, which have thick skin. You know, we're called thick skin, right? When we're in the next level, we're in a permeable form where we can merge with each other and feel each other. We literally feel each other. That's, that's, um, I read a number of books, the Geyer Project, a couple of other books that said that one of the reasons that they created human experience and the Earth experience was to feel what it was like to be separate. Um, so that we have self and not self, but learn how to connect even though we perceived that we were separate. And that was the, the experiment, the, the polarity, self not self. Can mm-hmm. we love each other even though we have the potential to, to kill each other? We, in, in the other level of existence, we feel each other so intensely we can't kill each other. And that was part of what uh, my friend who's in the secret space program, she uh, they told her husband, um, punch, you know, her husband's human, and they said to him, uh, punch this uh, extraterrestrial. And he said, I have nothing against him. Why do you want me to punch him? Well, it's just a demonstration. Just punch him. So uh, Tom punched him, and then they, they said, okay, now kill him. And they gave him a gun, and they had to convince him, and they said, oh, no, it's okay. Just kill him. And then he's going, what's that about? Why do you make me do that? He goes, because we're, we're not capable of punching. We're not capable of hitting. We're not capable of killing. And the, the reason why they, this experiment, uh, from their perception, was uh, where they added reptilian DNA is so that we could be the warrior species that would protect the different parts of the universe from these these beings that are on the total opposite end of the polarity from universal consciousness. They're they're the total total opposite end of good and dark, good and dark and evil. Um, they can come in and just wipe out planets and everything on it without, you know, so much as blinking an eye. And they said, we, we need the water species to protect us from those beings that, you know, consciousness is expanding, but they still exist. And we never know when they're going to hit. So they have the water race, which is humanity. I guess in some way it's noble, but then because we have those abilities, we forget who we are, and then we just start getting petty and, um, you know, killing each other for no reason. So I don't know the answer, but I've just been examining it, and I'm wondering if uh, Mr. has told you anything, has clued you in 
Uh, what is this whole whole thing about? You're talking so about Nancy, war. That, I'm talking about that, the, yeah, this whole where, yeah war, yeah. evil, good, light, yeah. dark, the continuum, the 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 universe. Yes. Well, I was given a, an illustration, and uh, I don't have it in front of me anyway. If it, it, past, present, and future are all in the same circle, we're just going in a circle. Mm-hmm. It's just repeating over and over and over again. Um, I, I want to say I, I I'm watching the same movie that everybody else is watching. Only maybe my screen is a little wider, and sometimes I can see around the bin, and I'm sure you can too, as as an experiencer. And mm-hmm. um, we're in trouble. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I'd like to just leave that part of it right there, but we are in trouble. And um, this is one of the beautiful scenes that I had been, uh, visions that I had been given. Um, I'm standing amid, and they put this illustration in my head to draw. And I'm standing and looking at the night sky, and it is literally filled with every ship, orb, um, craft, triangular uh, color that you can imagine. And it is the most beautiful feeling of unconditional love. And I'm standing there saying, thank you, thank you. And I, all of a sudden, one of the messages that they gave me is connected to this image that I've drawn and the message was our messages are not meant for everyone many will be left behind now when they first gave me that message I didn't think they meant it literally they did Um, many will be left behind the people that are not um, that do not know that they're abductees or experiences or they're, they're not a part of this they're, it's too late. Time has passed for them, even though time is an illusion. It's over. They're not going. They will be left behind as we go into the next dimension without them. Um, and this is why I get so upset with the people who are experiencing and, and, and not coming forward and sharing their information uh, for fear of, um, you know, retribution. They're cowards. They signed up for this mission. And um, they have to come forward um, and, and share because only as a collective force are we we're going to be, be able to get through this. Mm-hmm. We've got some tough times coming in ahead of us. Um, we're going to need each other more than ever. And that's why we're coming together right now. Is we are, we're finding each other. We're finding our own tribes. We're finding each other right now. We're put together. Um, right now, this conversation, you know, <laughs> this is why we're here. Um, thoughts are real, and um, they have a creative energy. 
Right. So we got to be careful what we're thinking. Yep, absolutely. Yes, we do. And we have to watch our thoughts. And that's a Sherry Wild uh, has said that also. We have to watch our thoughts. And um, See, what I was given was that we have we have a chooser and that there that's a potential a potentiality to go into this Armageddon type reality or World War Three or oh, leaving people behind and but what I was showed twenty four multiverses and they were the totality of uh, you know kind of punctuated across the totality of existence from the complete annihilation of the earth you know blowing uh-huh. up in the stardust to this oneness, you know, we're all together and, and, and you know, we're all the source and we're just, we remember who we are. But the variables in between, the variations on the theme, were all available to us. And that we yeah. as the observer participant can choose, it's like going into a big theater and there's 24 <laughs> movies to watch. Which one oh. do you want to watch? Uh, do you want to do the dark experience? And so they're really, you know, like we started to show, there's no victims. There's really no victims in all this. That mm-hmm. these are the potentialities, but each individual can choose which movie they want to go into, which reality they want to see, well, and I what hear they you. want to experience. Yeah. yeah. And that yeah, was what I received when I was four. But I, okay. when I was four, they took me on the ship and they... Immediately when I was there, I was my eternal self. I had the awareness of who I was and my totality of everything I've ever done. It was kind of amazing to hold that, right? But in order to come into this body, you can only bring a thread, a teeny tiny thread of who you are in totality of existence. And so that thread is the one that's struggling to understand and comprehend everything that's been you know, that I've experienced and, and I've been told or downloaded, it's like, like you, the ambassador. But yeah. they're careful yeah. not to overload this little brain. This little brain is just not able to handle it all. It will short talk. They spoon feed us. Well, I, I feel that they spoon feed me, and they keep telling me that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be in, in, in this. And um, I, like you, was also given, you know, I was given this beautiful vision of uh, the ships and orbs coming to to get the awakened ones. And then I was also given the vision of disaster, you know. And um, I was uh, shown uh, tremendous uh, winds with trees uh, bent head down to the ground and electrical poles tumbling one by one. And it was as if I was watching slides in a slide projector, and they would quickly take me from one scene to the next. And then I saw a large body of water, and it was filled with people that were struggling to stay afloat. And some were waving their arms at at us in the ship over their heads, and they were signaling for help. And they reminded me of bobbing apples. But I was Mm -hmm. able to distinguish each individual's face and their unique fear. And I was also able to hear each individual's screams and cries for help. And um, I watched as people fell to their death off of amusement rides and, and were left hanging helplessly. And I wondered why uh, they were showing me this and why I wasn't a part of it. And I was told, you must see these things and you must feel these emotions 
and I wonder if I'm being shown the earth to come or what it could be. And I don't well, want to see it anymore. Yeah. Well, that just reminded me of a dream, I, a dream, I call it a dream, an experience I had the other day. And I'm walking mm-hmm. down this, uh, I, I'm given screen memories, so I don't blink back into my body. They say, well, this is your, your old hometown Avalon. I haven't been there in 30 years, so I don't know what it looks like. And uh, so they give me these screen stories and memories, and, and I stay there. And, and then I start getting lucid and aware, okay, I'm in, I'm in the, whatever they want me to experience. They, uh, this is a, a real thing. It's not, I'm not sleeping. I'm actually there. Okay, so I'm feeling yeah. everything, and, and, and they make sure that I'm connected and I'm aware I'm there. And then they make everything comfortable for, for me. So the air is not cold or, or hot. It, it's exactly perfect, and I can feel that I'm there in my face. Um, I'm walking through water, and the water is the exact temperature. And I go, okay, so I'm not to be distracted by the elements, what's going on. Then they show me the massive destruction. And they don't let me know if it's future or past or another world. What they want is the emotions, because they yeah. they can't feel those emotions themselves. So at that point, exactly. they're tapped into me completely and they feel me as I keep walking and I see more and more devastation. I just get mm-hmm. overwhelmed with grief and tears and emotions. And, it's, and at the end of it, it's like, okay, you guys got enough. Do you know what it's like being in this human body to feel these intense mm-hmm. emotions? And then they return me. and I'm in my bed and I'm, uh, I'm aware now I'm in my bed. I'm no longer in the the scenario where they have me, and uh, they said, okay, we understand. We're not going to allow that to happen to your yeah. people, to this world. Yeah. Well, they have and I would, me. Thank you. So, yeah. And they wow. have comforted me after some of these um, horrifying visions that I've been shown, and they've told me, this is just a vision. But I, you know, you you realize it's just a vision, but at the time, it's overwhelming. And I got mad the one time, and I said, don't do this to me again, you know. But they need to evoke these emotions. Um, and sexual pleasure is another one that they they evoke. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I've had a lot of interesting sexual experiences. <laughs> Um, I I kind of I kind of laugh at him. I go, okay, that was nice. <laughs> now what? <laughs> One time they had this uh, being, and I, you know, the penis was coming at me, and I was screaming, and ah! This was many many years ago. And, and I, I wake up, and I, I went to I'm going to a group, a very advanced level group at that time. And they're all talking about regular dreams. I go, okay, you want to hear mine? Okay. So I tell them how this, this very strange penis entered my body. And it's like, you know. But I'm so happy when I got my period and I wasn't pregnant. And I go, well, okay, maybe you took it. But I didn't really want to experience, you know, carrying this thing inside of my body and being aware of that. So in some way they are merciful. They don't, you know, you know, they don't subject me to a lot. You never had any type of children. 
I've never had what? Hybrid children. You don't have hi- oh, any hybrid oh, children. Oh, yes. Yes, I do. I I <laughs> I was sitting one time in the front room with my, my best friend at the time, and we had been going to the Honolulu uh, UFO discussion group for years, and she just turned me out of the blue. We were waiting for these monks to come, and the Tibetan monks were going to be on stage, and we were in the front row, and she just turns me, and she goes, you have a whole village of children. <laughs> and she looks at me, and I don't know why she was getting it down, and I'm looking at her, and I go, my eyes go wide, and I go, you're right, because it's not limited to how many eggs we produce in periods we have. And I just dotted. I go, oh yeah, they could do. <laughs> they could just split me and hybrid and, and you know and clone me. And and she says, you know, you have a whole city of children. I go, I think mm-hmm. you're right. Uh, but I've been shown some individuals. See, if they liked our DNA, they like our DNA. And as Heinlein yeah. said in one of his books, uh, it was Time Enough for Love or Stranger to Strange Lady. He says, no one owns their DNA. So. DNA belongs to the cosmos, and if they they want your DNA, they'll take it and they'll use it and they'll create from it. And if they like it, and it's good DNA. They'll take those elements and make a bunch of variations on the theme. But they don't all have to look human. They can. In yeah, my mind, said it is one book. Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Your son, what? Your son looks like what? Um, very alien. Uh, his name is Drax. Um. And uh, I was 62 when I gave birth to Drex. And, you know, I've gone through my change of life. I had a tubal ligation. There was no way I could have gotten pregnant, yet I knew immediately when I got pregnant. And um, I bonded with him. I, I, I sent a picture of the claw marks. Did we talk about that? Of the what? Um, the claw marks on my breast from him. Oh yeah, yeah. We can we can talk about that. Go ahead. I and have it on the left page. They gave me, you know, his name also, and um, I was pregnant from uh, uh, February second to April fifteenth of two thousand and twelve. And um, after they took him, they told me, and they used the word "claimed." They claimed him. And I found that an odd word to use, you know, because we know what claimed means, but I looked it up in the dictionary and, you know, he belonged to the, to them. And I asked mm-hmm. him how they were able to get me pregnant. And they gave me a vision of a bowl with a large spoon making stirring motions. So I was to understand that Drax was a combination of me, Mr., and... Um, Sid, the, the man that I was dating at the time, um, and they told me that they were making several groups of beings uh, for specific purposes for the new earth, and that Drax is a thinker, and they put the words quotation, quotations around the word thinker, which is one of a group of beings that will serve as a judge. And I was told that Drax will make many wise decisions as he is a judge of sorts, and every society hmm. needs judges. So that was, uh, and I was told that he was a gentle and loving being. Now, he has the giant uh, eyes. He's hunched back. 
He is a digitigrade, which means he walks on his toes. He has claws. Um, and I was very upset with the way he looked. And mm-hmm. Mr. said he looks exactly as he is meant to be. And that was, I think that was the only time I ever felt a tone of anger or uh, discontent in something that Mr. had said to me. He was very upset with me that I had put such, uh, placed such importance on looks. Mm, um, yeah. Yes. And that's another reason why he had the, ch- the cover changed because humans place so much value on looks. looks. Not getting beyond, you know. So now I, well, I see my son. It's, it's beautiful. I went through that. Go ahead. I went through that drawing, Mr. Green, because uh, he wanted to make sure I look that uh, he I portrayed him fairly accurately, and also the little uniform that he wore, because somebody somewhere knows what that uniform means, and he was he was giving me a very careful directions to do the same thing and and I think um I have a problem with humans and, and they're being stuck on looks because I do have a my daughter is in a wheelchair and she's she's real cute she's got red hair and she's kind of a cutie pie but she is in this wheelchair and right right away there's a barrier you know when when someone is has a visible disability it's it's a, uh, my daughter was born with spina bifida, and she's paraplegic, and she's in a wheelchair. So I took care of wow. her for 20 years, and now she's in a care facility because I can't really do it anymore. It's a lot of work. But uh, So I was there with her for 20 years, learning about how humans are so looks-oriented and make a lot of assumptions when you've got a visible disability and of course we have issues a lot with each other on racial stuff and I'm thinking how are we going to handle you know, 12 foot green uh, aliens or 8 foot insectoid being <laughs> or you know how are we going to handle these really more dr- drastic differences with our, our alien yeah. friends if we're, if we're mm-hmm. sort of tripped over because somebody's in a wheelchair you know <laughs> I always wondered about that you know, we accept all these strange-looking animals, octopus and uh, <laughs> hippopotamus. You know, what's the difference, you know, yeah. between a, a alien? I don't know. Yeah, it does, it does make sense a, We think that's a lesser level. species. We think that's a lesser species and that we're the, the top of the food chain and we're so super smart and... Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I would, if we had to put that in court, I think we wouldn't win that case just because of how much damage we do uh, to the other species on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if we, if we went into a Star Wars movie and we'd go into the cantina, uh, we'd go, oh, look at all those species. How cool. I want to get that action figure. But you know, but if we have this happen in our own in the real world, and they're suddenly you know going down the highway driving cars beside us, we we're probably going to freak out. But I think we're getting used to it. I, this whole conditioning that we're going through right now is happening everywhere. I was just watching a I'm, I'm behind in time, but I'm watching a Supergirl ex- episode, and they said, well, there's these secret places where the extraterrestrials meet and you go in there and they all 
you know, they they can shape shift and look like different things, but there they are, all looking mm-hmm. normal, and there's extraterrestrials walking among, you know, on the Earth and among humans. I think a lot of this information is coming out in our, you know, science fiction and in our our television dramas and movies and things like that, and and I think it's preparing us for for the day when we're going to be aware they walk among us. I have encountered extraterrestrials. In my house, they've come to my house, and I knew I knew the one guy that was here that he wasn't human. And I, you know, what do you do when you're sitting there at your dinner table, right? <laughs> you're just you let it go. <laughs> and then when they leave, I go, you know, honey, that wasn't really a, a human person. I'm not sure exactly what it was, but I've I've, I've interacted with them, you know, on board ship and in my experience at night. I, I know they're testing the wire, and it's like, well, they wanted to see how I reacted. And, and, of course, my husband, he never reacts negatively to anything. He just says, oh, yeah, you know, he's very relaxed and open-minded. And, you know, I don't know how he does it. You're so lucky. Yeah. You are so lucky to have him. Yeah. It, it, well, it, I get very lonely. Therapist. You know? Well, he's obviously somebody more than who he is. You know, he's an amazing person. And he's been a therapist. He's 77. He's been, he's been doing psychotherapy for, you know, 50 years, right? And he's he's worked with and heard every story imaginable. And uh, part of what he did is he studied with Stan Groff and uh, John Mack. You remember John Mack? Do I and John hero. Mack. Okay. Yeah, well, they, they attended these... Um, Workshops all over the world, like in, um, in northern Canada, different places, right? Uh, retreat centers, and uh, they did these whole trophic breathwork things with hundreds and thousands of people over the years, and a lot of people in these uh, holas, and it was all you know done. So Stan would be in trouble legally, so they they would take sacraments, they would take entheogens, specifically entheogens which would open the doors of perception and, and, and open the veils. And, and they would come, you know, a lot of them would go into, you know, their own issues and who they were before they were born and, you know, meeting age was going and past lives. But many, 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 and this is going back since the 40s or 50s, and it's all been documented, have extraterrestrial experiences. Yeah. And they, yeah. they come back and they report to the group, and there's been, you know, tens of thousands of people, maybe hundreds of thousands of people for the last 40, 50 years doing these controlled experiments in the whole entropic breathwork. So he got kind of used to it. <laughs> oh, what else is new? Okay. Have you found that most every experiencer can remember past life? I've, I've found that uh, quite common. Say that again there. It's the experiencer, say that again, like you broke up a little bit. Yeah, the phone is breaking up on my end, too. Um, no, I was saying that most experiencers can remember past lives. I've found that very common. Oh, yeah. 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 Do, you, do you remember your past lives? Yeah, a few of them. <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, mm-hmm. And... Uh, there's a meaning to each past life. There's a lesson to be learned is what I have found. Um, one of my uh, past lives was 
I was in a foxhole. I was a man, and I was in a foxhole with another man. And we could actually see a bomb coming at us, and we knew we were going to die. And I put my arms around him, and I said, we'll, we'll go together. And as mm-hmm. I said that, bomb hit. And um, I imploded. I, I felt myself, I actually felt the pain. It was a quick pain, but imploded from the inside. And I was in a million pieces. And the lesson that I learned from that was death is, death is something that no one can do with you. You know, it is, it is a very lonely journey. And it is, uh-huh. just, it is hours and hours alone. And I experienced a total oneness at that time. I realized, wow, that this is far away from uh, another human or another being as you can get. Yeah, I, I've had several. Uh, I, I remember being in an iron lung. Uh-huh. Um, in one of my past lives. So you remembered your, I want to go back to that first one. When you exploded, you said you're going to go together, but when you, yes, when I it happened, and I said, we'll go together. Like if we hung on real tight, it wouldn't be, we'd be together as we died. But uh-huh. as one hit and my body, from the inside out, yeah. it was everywhere. And it was everywhere. Um, I thought of him was gone completely. And I realized that this is a journey. This journey of death is something that we do alone. No one can, no one can be with us during that journey. Great. So, how long were you alone before someone came and got you, or came to you, or appeared to you? I, I, I don't know. Um, I think that's when I became enlightened, um, conscious life, <laughs> and then mm-hmm. looked for another, or took another death around. Fascinating. Yeah, I remember past lives and leaving my body and my thoughts uh, when yes. I left my body. And I you remember one What's that? You said you died several times. I'd love to hear about um, what you experienced. Okay. One, I had, um, I had a, a best friend who was male, and I had a woman that I loved, and I was male. And my best friend got killed before me. We were fighting. We were, it's, I call it the Stormy of the Bastille. <laughs> I was uh, a rebel. And we were living in the forest. And we were trying to rebel against the uh, existing government. And so um, I, I came back to the forest and I found everybody was destroyed. So I, I wanted to go back and get my beloved. And uh, so I went back to the Bastille, and I went into the Bastille. For some reason, I thought she was in there. And as soon as I got in there, I was surrounded by troops, and I kept going up levels until I got to the top level of the building. And I came out in the balcony, and this guy, he was the head of, of this um, army that was uh, after me with swords, and he I, he, I knew him. He was called Nemesis. He was my nemesis for many, many, many lifetimes. And so um, I, I was very athletic, and I jumped up on the rail, almost like a, you know, someone from a circus. I was so athletic, like a gymnast. And I started fighting him, and, and I was you know, going back across the rail, and 
and I and I knew I could I could uh, stab him, like many many times I could have killed him, uh, but I knew there's part of me that's like I can't really kill another person, and that was what my best friends kept saying. They said, "Well, you're so good at this, you know, sword fighting, but you're never going to kill anybody. We're all we're just doing mock stuff." And so he was so right. I couldn't kill this person. So I turned around and there was a tapestry, and I thought, well, I'll I'll try to grab it, and you know maybe I can escape that way. And when I grabbed the tapestry, it ripped, and and then I went, well, I'm not going to hit the ground; that'll hurt. So I left my body, and when I left my body, I was met by my best friend, male friend, and my beloved, and she had uh, her head chopped off. She was she they had taken her to the guillotine, and they had, you know, killed her. Oh. So, but we immediately reunited, and we started laughing hilariously. We go, "Oh my God, I can't believe we just lived that life. I can't believe we just you know, like the most <laughs> amazing thing." And we went off together. And then years later, later I married. This is my second marriage, and my husband he hated me touching his neck. And I just said to him, "I says, uh, sweetheart, you're not going to lose your head." again the way you did the last time and he he's very conservative didn't believe in any second oh, stop it! and he knew <laughs> that i knew who he was right so, wicked. Oh, I love <laughs> so but my girlfriend and i used to sit there on our on our vacation from penn state university whenever we had long weekends or holidays and nobody else around. we would hypnotize each other we'd go back to all these past lives and and she had had so many past lives. It was, oh, it was amazing. But they, they you know, the book, uh, the Michael Newton Institute books on life between lives says that if, if you're a human being alive now, you've had hundreds, you've got thousands of past lives already. So exactly. You know. <laughs> that was uh, something you talked earlier about, Janet, about the organization Free, which is foundation for. Research into extraterrestrial encounters, and you guys can find them on uh, Facebook, the group on Facebook, I Help Get Started. But uh, that was a marker of people who were experiencers, had had a near-death experience. It was a really high percentage when they did their survey of how many people who, it's like the near-death experience kind of opened the gate for them to have a, have the other remembrances of, of abductions and past lives both, you know. And I had a near-death, ex- a couple of them, but I had a near-death experience. It seems like uh, whenever I've really gotten close to exiting, it was because of a virus. I've had a, a pneumonia and a few things, and uh, one virus in particular, I was like really in between the world, you know, and I, and I literally, I was by myself. I wasn't on any machines or anything in the hospital. But I was in a, a containment room because I had a, a, you know, I had a virus other people get, get, and I literally just sort of didn't breathe for ten minutes. You know, I was just, just was kind of in between, like maybe even in a moment. I don't know what it was, and I was trying to decide whether I wanted to stay here or not. So this, this has happened to me a number of times. Of, do I really want to stay here and do this mission, you know, or not? And then something comes along to make me keep going, you know. But when we're talking about uh, uh, lack of empathy, it's also an apathy. In other words, we really need that our sense of mission. We we really need a reason. We need to have some hope 
that we could, you know, if we can't be completely successful what we would envision, we can at least influence, you know, other people, support other people, help each other. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it's like um, uh, once you kind of cross over into awareness of that, you know, so much of our society and religion and everything is like you are your body in this one go around of merry ground of life and, you know, once you kind of let go of that, it seems like you get this outsider-looking-in perspective. And um, a near-death experience or or remembering a past life or having an uh, experience, uh, you know, even a, even just a fleeting one, it just puts you in a different perspective completely. And, and it changes how you view everything. And then you look around and you feel like you're in zombie world because everyone else is in this program. You know, I've been talking a lot to people in the last few weeks about deprogramming yourself, you know, is that I was in a cult in a program and a a government program as well. And it's like uh, I had to have help, and I credit my friends along the way, to go be invited to this process of sort of dehypnotizing myself from the value system that we have that we're you know I feel like I feel like uh politically like our our presidential situation is like when you're going to go erase a program and it says are you sure you know this is our big are you sure you 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 know cuz cuz it seems like a lot of games that we've had in appreciating each other being concerned about the poor being concerned, um, you know, uh, embracing diversity and all of that, we sort of took it took it for granted that we were doing that process, and just to find out that there's a bunch of other people that were reacting very, very negatively. Uh, I call I call some people smoldering balls of hate, unfortunately, because um, yep. it's like one. It's like it sort of. You know, you turn over the soil and you see all the bugs, you know. <laughs> it's like it seems yeah, like it's yeah. kind of yeah. brought all that to the surface. And I'm like, oh, my God, I, you know, I, I've been down the road of my own deprogramming, and I'm like, wow, some people just barely started. And, and maybe like your, your beings were saying, maybe they're not even going to do it at all. I mean, I don't really see some people even having any incentive whatsoever, particularly if they're like, well, I study hierarchy, the dynamics of hierarchy, negative hierarchy, pyramid structures, and it seems like I, I have been saying this thing, hierarchy doesn't do anybody any good. If you're on the bottom, you're being abused and taken advantage of. If you're on the top, you have no incentive to improve spiritually whatsoever because every whim is granted, and you have all this power, and you don't have any incentive to change. You know, I think we have an elitist president. I think that's one of his problems. And the people in the middle are, I call it the middle muddle. They're sort of muddled because they are caught between all these different levels of of an interaction which mm-hmm. is imposed on us but isn't us, I don't think, at our soul level. I don't. Uh, I'm in anyone. <laughs> yes. Hi. Um, there's a... Oh, there was a call. Oh, there's a call. Would you like to see who that is? Maybe they have a yeah, question. let's go ahead and bring them in. Um, it, it looks like a similar uh, area code to Nancy. Yeah, let's see. Uh, I'll, I'll, um, I'll, uh, area I'll code 516. 
would you like to talk on Aquarian Radio Friday show? Yes, I would love to. Uh, hi, is this Janet Lesson? Uh, yeah, Janet Lesson, Karen Patrick, and Nancy. <laughs> yes, uh, this is Hugh Trollson, Janet. Oh, hi, Hugh. Uh, yes, welcome. years. Yes, I have a lot more information that I would like to share because your guest was saying it so correctly. It's time that we really start uniting, and thoughts are extremely powerful. So uh, we have to really go to unconditional love and spirituality to everything and root out corruption in the process. That's the biggest problem that we're here working on is the corruption globally. So I'd like to share a Facebook page. I don't do anything inbound or outbound on the Internet myself, but when you see, and be sure Sasha sees this too because uh, uh, there's a lot of psychology involved with it, and Uh I actually share common background with President Trump, but I'm not into the ego like he is. My last Uh name has, my last name has global recognition, and I am bringing forth strategies that will transform economics, education, politics, religion, and more. They can't be stopped. They'll bring more and more transparency, and I'm looking to empower women and indigenous people in the process with what I'm doing, too. Uh, So... If you put my name, Hugh, H-U-G-H, mm-hmm. Trollson, T like Tom, R-A-U-L-S-E-N like Nancy, and then after my name, Facebook profiles, there's four different Facebook pages. There's one, a picture of me with my finger on a big uh, globe or uh, a marble ball, and that's the one to click on, and on the about page or wherever it says about there's a website rootingoutcorruption.weebly.com that's loaded with all kinds of very powerful information I've had UFO paranormal near death experiences and I have a lot of documentation uh, wherever I can Hugh do you have a specific question for our guest Nancy about well again uh, I, I think that Women are going to be one of the biggest factors to uh, be empowered for our future, and I don't know how she's uh, thinking about that, but they are the best ones to help with balancing the divine masculine, divine energy, uh, feminine energies that we all have. But it has to be the right kind of women because there are some that are manipulative, and I've run into that too. All right. Well, let's uh, uh, thank you for uh, coming on board. You, we are going to take that ball and and run with it, and we'll take a look at the website. Thanks so much. Thank, thank you for you. taking. Okay. So, uh, Nancy, <laughs> is that applicable <laughs> in a new way? Can you take that ball and run with it? <laughs> um. <laughs> I, I, I really don't know what to say to that. Um, I think she was complimenting us. <laughs> um, yes, um, okay. women, we do have a, the most important role. I, I believe that. Um, 
That's why we are the ones that give birth. That is why we are the caregivers. Um, you know, you ever seen a man with a headache? Um, you know, they say that if a man had to give birth, he would actually die from the pain. Um, they could never handle right. the physical of giving birth. We we really are the stronger ones. We just let them think they are. <laughs> that, that's how <laughs> I was raised. <laughs> right. <laughs> Karen, do you have any comments? Oh, no, I think I think that was great, and I appreciate when someone in some of those echelons there recognizes what other people are recognizing is that um, we are, you know, our economic system is sort of the agreement we all have with each other, and if it is an unfair agreement, then that's really a reflection of our value system that, you know, if we are having a lot of intervention um, you know, this is kind of, I did a lot of automatic writing starting in 2010, and I was writing and writing and writing about the economic system because they wanted me to pay attention. And they said that the within the works is a transition from scarcity to ab- an abundance. We actually don't know how to handle abundance economically. Um, we got to make a scare. We actually manufacture scarcity. So, you know, water used to be abundant around us. Now we put it in bottles and, and charge a lot more for it. You know, it's, we have this, we have some mindsets that are just a negative spiral. Um, and our, you know, our economics is our agreement with how we, we trade with each other and help each other. So that's uh, one of the things that shocked me the most, I think, when they told me this was how unequivocal they were. They said, this is going to change, kind of almost with an implied, whether you like it or not, or whether it's comfortable or not. Um, simply because this, we're we're so far into scarcity mindset that we're affecting more than just our own lives. We're affecting the planet, and also other beings that we don't even know that we're affecting um, is, is also being affected by this sort of death spiral of, of you know vampiric um, mutual predation, kind of at the baseline of our economics and. Um, you know, corruption. I, I, I appreciate Hugh's comment to say corruption. And we're sort of having it, uh, again, like that turning over the soil sort of. It's been flushed out, and we're actually looking at it. It's very unpleasant. But that's the beginning of making the change, for sure. And women, you know, we give of ourselves. Like, we traditionally have roles where we just help. We just do, and we don't get paid for it. We we don't have we don't think in terms of monetary uh, rewards when we are nurturing people in a in the semi in a traditional role, and yet right. uh, that's been devalued. Uh, that part of work, human I call it get, humans get up in the morning and do stuff. You know, um, that's mm-hmm. not a job with a salary. It's it's but it ha- it's it has to be done, and and the jobs that have a salary in the economy actually would collapse if that part fell apart. If we didn't get up and help our families go to work and make the system run, it would completely collapse. And so we need to recognize the value of contribution of all kinds, for sure, not just monetary. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Um, Do you you have a website? Nancy, I I wanted to ask if you had a website or anything like that to make sure people – can either pre-order your book or know when it's coming, or what do they need to do to find yeah. out? Yeah. Grant, um, handling that. This is my first book. Oh, so 
there, there's going to be pre-order, and I believe uh, next month it should be on Amazon for pre-order. Um, okay, good. And what was the name of your book again so people can... The name of the book Symbiosis, A Love Beyond Time, time and Space. Okay. I love the but that's not available time. yet. Uh, Grant is putting it together. I love Grant yeah. Cameron, by the way. You know, he's one of the most amazing people. And I'll tell you, it, 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 it's his publishing company. Uh, it's all connected. Uh, it's the name of the company. And between him, uh, Dustin Barnaby, uh, Katerina Estrella, Matt Lacoste, Doug Alt, David Chase, um, you know, they've made this book possible, and, and Michael Milton has added a chapter at the end also. So, and David's doing the uh, cover and has a chapter at the end of the book um, because he's a, a researcher uh, and a ufologist and uh, very, very knowledgeable about the reptilians, so his chapter is very important. Yeah, it would be nice to do... Um a whole book about the reptilian interaction with all these different shows. If you have reptilian stories, send it to me. I'll compile it together. Um, I'm working on getting money together for conferences. It's so hard to put on these conferences. Uh, we lost um, the one that was done in Maine, uh, Audrey Starburn, I guess. What's her name? Audrey, yeah, she used to do it, and she's just not going to get the money enough to to pull it off, it's very expensive to get the venue. So we need to do that. We need to fill that gap. So I'm uh, collecting stories and, um, you know, using my ability to compile things and put them up on CreateSpace and have a special fund set up for the book sales. And it's not that much yet, but hopefully over time we get the word out. We start doing all these stories and people tell their stories. Uh, even if you just do a chapter, um, it, it becomes evident. It's overwhelming. There are thousands of people that have had various experiences like yours. Although I think yours, yeah. Nancy, um, it's quite unique because you are taking it into this other level that you are uh, an ambassador with a mission. Uh, we have about uh, eight, nine, ten minutes left. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you know about your mission? why you're here, what you're supposed to do here, what you hope to accomplish? Well, I'm, I'm, one of the things is Mr. I wanted this book out. And um, he actually helped me write this entire book. So, uh, and it's a story of uh, my entire childhood, my life, and how I survived in a world that I've never felt a part of and uh, raised in a family that keeps secrets and protects and defends its molesters and silences the innocent. And I share my multiple abusive marriages and the way I actually described myself as scar tissue. And I share a lot of the loving messages that I've received and the illustrations that have been given to me over the past six years, visions that I've been shown, both horrifying and beautiful, the manipulation of time, missing time that I had with freezing people, and what I refer to as voids. And I talk about my pregnancy and um, drags 
And uh, my, my experiences on board and the procedures that were performed on me, and I described their purpose. And uh, I write of Mr. the Grays and the Nice One, that was a female hybrid that was on board that showed me love and compassion. And um, the heartbreak of losing my girlfriend, Cindy, two years ago, and um, while writing the book, she was on board in 1961 on board ship. I sent you a picture of the two of us um, mm-hmm. in that group of pictures. And oh, yeah. Con- yes, that's Sydney. That, um, she was on oh. board, and she had a discussion with my regression therapist. And her regression pretty much mirrored mine. And um, I'm glad that, that she at least got to do that before she um, died. And I still have an ongoing relationship with the former police chief of Novi, Michigan from 1961, who is now starting to speak out about a full military investigation that was done that evening. And um, um, getting all my memories back of that evening as we discuss it. And uh, they either came from New Mexico or Arizona. They were Air Force. They came to my, the police escorted them to my house. Now, remember, I was 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, the police escorted these, uh, these men to my house, and they wanted to speak with me, a 12-year-old child. My father threatened to kill them. He was shortly thereafter. My father was um, a hydraulic engineer in the aerospace division of um, Spirit Vickers. Um, at the time, and he was never, never went away on a business trip. Well, he was uh, sent on a business trip right after that to California, and um, I was silenced that night. That's why I never spoke of this for 50 years. This, the 1961 event was never spoken of, not to a husband, boyfriend, not to one soul, even with Cindy after that night. Her father did bring her over. My father didn't want him to but Cindy would not go to sleep until she saw that I was home and I was safe. And um, the chief and I still talk um, at least once a month. And every time we speak, he remembers more and more about that evening. And uh, I guess I was gone between an hour and a half to two hours. And... The main thing, I, I, I'll get off the book. I, I, I want to speak to the, um, the the people who are abductees who still see themselves as abductees or experiencers. Mm-hmm. They have to come forward. They can't. Um, they have to come forward and start speaking about uh, their experiences. It. They signed up for this mission, and. Um, it's the only way that we're going to create this collective force. You know, I know this message is redundant, but it is all about the love. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the message that I received from the reptilians. It's all about the love. Great. So and love I is... Just, uh, I thank you to Grant uh, Cameron so much because I reached out, like I said, for six years I've been screaming 
literally screaming to be heard, and people have uh, ignored me, you know, hoping that I would go away, and um, tried to silence me, and, 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 and used my messages. I've actually seen some of my messages on other people's Facebooks, and... Oh. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's been an ugly, uh, there's been a lot of ugliness in this uh, six years. And um, I just want us to all get along and help one another and listen to one another and love each other. Um, just, we need each other. Yeah. We certainly do. Well, and uh, I we're down to, to oh, go ahead. I want to say thank you so much for giving me this opportunity um, to speak out and to speak to two other women who have had uh, positive rebellion experiences. I thank you both. Oh, well, thank yeah. you for coming on our show, and uh, we are here to support you. When your book is out, uh, let's have you on again. And we do get out the message to millions and millions of people. I see your book as a bestseller, and <laughs> and you're able to speak at conferences if that's your desire. And um, welcome you back anytime. We're going to be doing. We're actually adding another radio show. We're going to do some experiential panels and um, bring out other experiencers and connect the dots and share our stories and discuss the issues like you brought up about how people perceive their experiences and by changing your perception you change you actually change your experience it's a, it's a weird phenomenon but uh, yeah I've had that happen personally let's create so. a new reality yeah let's create a new reality oh I All agree right. well thank well, you Karen, so much thanks. everyone we're, we're right to the end and uh, I just want to say thank you so much Nancy for speaking out uh, hey if you guys have heard it from Nancy it's time, and I agree. And thank you, Janet, uh, for yet another Friday night with you. Uh, this is we're kind of getting to some changes, and this has been wonderful. Um, you know, exploring the stories of experiencers. I think it's really been a heartbeat for both of us. So thank you, both of you. Um, love and blessings. <laughs> yeah, well, thank love you. Good night. Good night. Aloha. Good night. Uh, Thank you for listening to Aquarian Radio Friday Nights, The Experiencer Path. Thanks to the artists from freemusicarchive.org, Ketza for Live With No Fear, and Scott Holmes, Mother Nature. You have been listening to the Aquarian Radio Network.
Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions.